Hi there. Welcome to a new episode of Stories That Made Us, where we shall spend the next while recounting the travels of the gorgeous Freya, the Norse goddess of love, beauty, fertility, and sex. Her father is Njord, the god of the seas, and her brother is Frey, the god of virility, peace, and prosperity. The story we are about to indulge on is taken from Kearney's book titled The Heroes of Asgard, Tales from the Scandinavian Mythology, the details of which are in the description. If you'd like to hear more about Norse mythology, check out the stories of their origin and the creation of our world in episode 39 of the first series. So then, without further ado, let's begin with the wanderings of Freya. The goddess Freya dwelt in the city of Asgard, the dwelling realm of the Norse gods Aesir, and had a palace built for her named Folkvang. In this palace, there was one very beautiful hall, Sesrimnir, or the roomy seated, where Freya entertained her guests and she had always plenty of them, for everyone liked to look at her beautiful face and listen to her enchanting music, which was quite superior to anybody else's. She had, moreover, a wonderful husband named Odur, who was one of the sons of the immortals, and had come from a long way off to propose to marry her. Freya was a little proud of this, and often used to speak of it to Frigga, the queen of Asgard and wife of Odin, and the other ladies of Asgard. Some of them said she was a very fortunate person, but some were a little jealous of her. Frigga always gravely warned her not to be vain on account of her happiness, lest sorrow should overtake her unawares. Everything went on quite smoothly, however, for a long time, Freya leading a very peaceful and beautiful life in the sunshine of her happiness, and herself a very radiant joy to everyone around her. But one day, one unlucky day, Freya, this fair and sunshiny young goddess, went out alone from Asgard to take a walk in Alfheim the realm of the elves. She hoped to meet somewhere thereabouts her dear brother Frey, whom she had not seen for a long time, and of whom she wanted to ask a very particular favour. The occasion for her journey to Alfheim was this. Heimdall, the watchman of Asgard, and Aegir, the personification of sea, were expected to dine at Valhalla the next day, and Freya and her husband were invited to meet them. All the lords and ladies of Asgard were to be there. Njord, her father, and the god of seas and oceans too, was coming, with his wife Skadi, the daughter of a giant. Everyone will be beautifully dressed, said Freya and I have not a single ornament to wear. But you are more beautiful than anyone, Freya, said her husband Odor, for you were born in the spacious wind home. 
all are not so highly minded as you, Odor," answered his wife. And if I go to Valhalla without an ornament of any kind, I shall certainly be looked down upon. So saying, Freya set off, as I told you, to Alfheim, determined to ask of her good-natured brother a garland of flowers at least. But somehow or other, she could not find Frey anywhere. She tried first her brother's keep in Alfheim. She thought he was there, but all the time she was thinking of her dress and her ornaments, planning what she should wear. And her steps went downward and downward, away from Alfheim to the cave of four dwarfs. Where am I? said Freya to herself, as she at last lost the light of day and went down, wandering on deeper and deeper between the high walls and under the firm roof of the rocks. Why? Surely this must be Swartalfheim, the realm of the dark elves, and yet it is not unpleasant, nor quite dark here, though the sun is not shining," said she. And in truth, it was not dark, for far on before her, winding in and out through the caverns' innermost recesses, were a group of little men. Who had each a lantern in his cap and a pickaxe in his hand, and they were working hard, digging for diamonds, which they piled up the walls and hung across the roof in white and rose-colored coronets, marvelously glittering. Four clever little dwarfs were there directing the labors of the rest, but as soon as they caught sight of Freya, they sat down in the center of the cavern. And began to work diligently at something which they had held between them, bending over it with strange chattering and grimaces. Freya felt very curious to see what it was, but her eyes were so dazzled with the blaze of diamonds and lanterns that she was obliged to go nearer in order to distinguish it clearly. Accordingly. She walked on to where the four dwarfs were sitting, and peeped over their shoulders. Oh, brilliant! Exquisitely worked! Bewildering! Exclaimed the goddess as she drew back with almost blinded eyes, for she looked upon the necklace Brisingamen, and at the same moment. A passionate wish burst forth in her heart to have it for her own, to wear it in Valhalla, to wear it always around her own fair neck. Life to me, said Freya, is no longer worth having without Brisingamen the necklace. Then the dwarfs held the necklace out to her, but also looked cunningly at one another as they did so. And burst out laughing so loud that it rang through the vaulted caverns, echoed and echoed back again from side to side, from dwarf to dwarf, from depth to depth. Freya, however, only turned her head a little on one side, stretched out her hand, grasped the necklace with her small fingers, 
and then ran out of the cavern as quickly as she ever could, up again to the green hillside. There she sat down and fitted the brilliant ornament about her neck. Afterwards, she looked a little shyly at the reflection of herself in a still pool that was near, and turned homewards with a happy heart. She felt certain that all was well with her. Nevertheless, all was not well, but very miserable indeed. When Freya was come back to Asgard again, and to her palace of Folkwan, she sought her own private apartments, that she might see Odor alone and make him admire her necklace Brisingamen. But Odor was not there. She searched in every room, here and there, hither and thither. But alas, he was not to be found in any room or any hall in all the palace of Folkwan. Freya searched for him in every place. She walked relentlessly about, in and out, among the places of her beautiful hall that was Sesramnir. She peered wistfully, with sad eyes, in the face of every guest. But the only face she cared to see was that of her husband. And that face she never saw. Odor was gone gone back forever to the home of the immortals. Brisingamen and Odor, it would seem, could not live together in the palace of Fokwan. But Freya did not know this. She did not know why Odor was gone, or where he was gone. She only saw he was not there, and she wrung her hands sadly, and watered her jewels with her despondent, warm tears. As she sat thus and mourned in the entrance of her palace, all the ladies of Asgard passed by on their way to Valhalla and looked at her. Some said one thing, some another, but no one said anything at all encouraging or much to the purpose. Frigga, the wife of Odin, passed by last of all and she raised her head with a little severe shake, saying something about beauty and pride and punishment which sank down so deeply into the heart of the sorrow-stricken young Freya that she got up and with a desperate resolution and, presenting herself before the throne of Odin, spoke to him thus. Father of all Aesir, listen to my weeping and do not turn away from me with a cruel frown. I have searched throughout my palace of Folkman, and all through the city of Asgard, but nowhere is Odur the immortal, my husband, to be found. Let me go, Father Odin, I beseech you, to seek him far and near, across the earth, through the air, over the sea, even to the borders of Jotunheim, the realm of the giants. And Odin answered, Go, Freya, and good fortune go with you. Then Freya sprang into her swift, softly rolling chariot, which was drawn by two cats, waved her hand as she rose over the city, and was gone.
The cats, as they pulled Freya's chariot, champed their bright bits and skimmed alike over earth and air with swift, clinging steps, eager and noiseless. The chariot rolled on, and Freya was carried away up and down into every part of the world, weeping golden tears wherever she went. The tears fell down from her pale cheeks and rippled away behind her in little sunshiny rivers that carried beauty and weeping to every land. She came to the greatest city in the world and drove down its wide streets. But none of the houses here are good enough for Odur, said Freya to herself. I will not ask for him at such doors as these. Eventually, she went straight on to the palace of the king. Is Odur here in this palace? she asked of the gatekeeper. Is Odur the immortal living with the king? But the gatekeeper shook his head and assured her that his master never even heard of such a person. Then Freya turned away and knocked at many other stately doors, asking for Odur. But no one in that great city so much as knew her husband's name. Then Freya went into the long, narrow lanes and shabby streets where the poor people lived. But there it was all the same, and everyone said only, No, not here. We don't know who Odur is, and gave her a blank stare. In the night time, Freya went quietly away from the city, and the lanes and the cottages, far off to the side of a lake, where she lay down and looked over into the water. By and by, the moon came, and looked there too, and the queen of night saw a calm face in the water, serene and high. But the queen of beauty saw a troubled face, frail and fair. Brisingamen was reflected in the water too, and its rare colours flashed from the little waves. Freya was pleased at the sight of her favourite ornament, and smiled even in the midst of her tears. At last, Freya slept by the side of the lake, and then a dark shape crept up the bank on which she was lying, sat down beside her, and took her fair head between its hands. It was Loki, and he began to whisper into Freya's ear as she slept. You were quite right, Freya, he said, to go out and try to get something for yourself in Swartalfheim, instead of staying home with your husband. It was very wise of you to care more for your dress and your beauty than for Odur. You went down into the realm of the night elves and found Brisingamen. Then your husband went away. But is not Brisingamen better than he? Why do you cry, Freya? Why do you start so? Freya turned, moaning, and tried to lift her head from between his hands, but she could not. And it seemed in her dream as if a terrible nightmare brooded over her. Brisingamen is dragging me down, 
she cried in her sleep. This necklace is so heavy. And she laid her little hand upon the clasp without knowing what she was doing. Then a great laugh burst forth in Swatalfheim and came shuddering up through the vaulted caverns until it shook the ground upon which she lay. Loki started up and was gone before Freya had time to open her eyes. It was the morning, and the young goddess, still perturbed by her dream, prepared to set out on her journey once again to find her beloved husband. Brisengamen is fair, she said as she bade farewell to her image in the lake. Brisengamen is fair and beautiful, but I find it heavy sometimes, not to mention the foreboding dream of last night. By and by, Freya went to many cities and towns and villages, asking everywhere for Odo, but there was not one in all the world who could tell her where he was gone, and at last, her chariot rolled eastward and northward to the very borders of Jotunheim. There, Freya stopped, for before her lay Yarnved, the Iron Wood, which was the one road from the earth to the abode of the giants, and whose tall trees, black and hard, were trying to pull down the sky with their iron claws. In the entrance of this iron wood sat an iron witch, with her back to the forest and her face towards the goddess. Yarnwed was full of the sons and daughters of this iron witch. There were wolves and bears and foxes and many-headed ravenous birds. Eastward, croaked a raven as Freya drew near. Eastward, in the iron wood, the old one sits. Freya followed the directions of the raven, and indeed, there the old crone did sit, talking in quarrelsome tones to her wolf sons and vulture daughters, who answered from behind her, howling, screeching, and screaming all at the same time. There was a horrible din and Freya began to fear that her low voice would never be heard. She was obliged to get out of her chariot and walked close up to the old witch, so that she may whisper in her ear. Can you tell me, old mother, she said, where Odor is? Have you seen him pass this way? I don't understand one word of what you're saying answered the Iron Woman, and if I did, I have no time to waste in answering foolish questions. Now the witch's word struck like a dagger into Freya's heart, and she was not strong enough to pull them out again. So she stood there a long time, not knowing what she should do. You had better go said the crone to her at last. There is no use standing there crying. For this old woman was the grandmother of strong-minded women, and she hated tears. 
Then Freya got into her chariot again and went westward a long way to the wide, boundless land where impenetrable forests were grown, and undying nature reigned in silence. She knew that the silent Vidar was living there, for, not finding any pleasure in the happy but clamorous and nosy society of Asgard, he had obtained permission from Father Odin to retire to this place. He is one of the Aesir, and perhaps he will be able to help me," said the sad-hearted Freya, as her chariot rolled on through the empty moorlands and forests, always in twilight. Her ear heard no sound, her eyes saw no living shape, but still she went on with a trembling hope, until she came to the spot that was Vidar's dwelling. Vidar the silent Aesir was sitting there firm as an oak, and silent as night. Long grass grew up through his long hair, and the branches of trees crossed each other over his eyes. His ears were covered with moss, and dewdrops glistened upon his beard. It is almost impossible to get to him sighed Freya as she looked at the rough terrain, and I am afraid his moss-covered ears are very deaf, for they are never used," said she. Nevertheless, she alighted from her chariot and threw herself down on the ground before him and said, Tell me, Vidar, does Odor hide among thick trees, or is he wandering over the broad west lands? Vidar did not answer her. Only a pale gleam shot over his face, as if reflected from that of Freya, like sunshine breaking through a wood. He does not hear me, said Freya to herself, and she crushed nearer to him through the branches. Only tell me, Vidar, she said, is Odor here? But Vidar said nothing, for he had no voice. Then Freya hid her face in her lap and wept bitterly for a long time. A god, an Aesir, she said at last, looking up, is no better to me than an iron witch when one is really in trouble. And then she gathered her disordered dress about her threw back her long bright hair, and springing into her chariot, once again went warily on her way. At last she came to the wide sea coast, and there everything was glorious and beautiful. It was evening, and the western sky looked like a broad crimson flower. No wind stirred the ocean, but the small waves rippled in rose-colored froth on the shore, like the smiles of a giant at play. Aegir, the old sea king, in fact, the personification of the great seas itself, supported himself on the sand, while the cool waters were leaving his breast, and his ears drank their sweet murmur 
for nine waves were his beautiful daughters, and they and their father were talking together. Now though Eger looked so stormy and old, he was really as gentle as a child, and no mischief would ever have happened in his kingdom if he had been left to himself. But he had a cruel wife called Ram, who was the daughter of a giant, and so eagerly fond of fishing, that whenever any of the rough winds came to call upon her husband, she used to steal out of the deep sea caves where she lived and followed ships for miles under the water, dragging her net after her so that she might catch anyone who fell overboard. Freya wandered along the shore towards the place where the Sea King lived, and as she went, she heard him speaking to his nine daughters. What is the history of Freya? he asked, and the first wave answered. Freya is the young goddess who once was happy in Asgard. Then the second wave said, but she left her fair palace there and order her immortal love. Then said third wave, she went down to the cavern of the dwarves. Fourth wave, she found the necklace Brisingamen there and she carried it away with her. Fifth wave, but when she got back to Fokwang, her palace, she found that odor was gone. Sixth wave, because the goddess had loved herself more than the immortal love. Seventh wave, Freya will never be happy again, for Odor will never come back. Eighth wave, Odor will never come back as long as the world shall last. Finally, the ninth wave said, Odor will never return, nor Freya forget to weep. Freya stood still, spellbound, listening, and when she heard the last words that Odor would never come back, she wrung her hands and cried, O oh, Aegir, O oh, Father Sea, trouble comes, comes surging up from a wide sea, wave over wave into my soul. And in truth, it seemed as if her words had power to change the whole surface of the ocean, for wave over wave rose higher and spoke louder. Ran, the wife of the Sea King, was seen dragging her net in the distance as storms covered the mighty oceans. Old Aegir shouted and dashed into the deep waters, sea and sky mixing together in confusion, and night fell upon the storm. Then Freya sank down, exhausted on the sand, where she lay until her kind daughter, the sleepy little Syofna, came and carried her home again in her arms. After this, the beautiful goddess Freya lived in her palace of Fokwang with friends and sisters. But Odor did not return, nor did Freya forget to weep.
that ends our tale for the episode. But before we wrap up, let's provide a little context and interpretation to this story. Freya, as she appears in Edda, the collection of Norse myths and legends, was the goddess of the beautiful part of the year and of all sorts of love. The story of her marriage with Odor is extremely obscure. It is even thought that Odor is only a form of Odin, and in like manner that Freya and Frigga are intimately connected. Frigga, the wife of Odin and the queen of Asgard, for instance, was the patroness of married love, of happiness and duties of the home. Originally, she and Freya and all the great goddesses were probably personifications of the earth. But Freya, as goddess of love, is less developed in idea than Frigga. She has more of the nature of goddess, less of the woman in her. Freya was said to divide the spoil with Odin in battle, taking half the slain for herself, leaving him with the other half which perhaps points to her having been at one time his wife and sharing all with Odin. Supposing Freya to have been the beautiful year, or rather the earth during the beautiful part of the year, Odor leaving her would imply the beginning of the shortening of the days at midsummer. The source of summer flies. Summer seeks its source weeping golden tears. Do these mean autumn's golden leaves and falling fruits, or that the sun's beautiful gifts must ever follow him? This myth of summer source, the sun, declining from the year, has, it is supposed, been given to Odor because it was not important enough to belong to the greatest of gods, although it was really wrapped up in his nature and the names of Odor and Odin are quite identical in German. In fact, in this story we see the summerly earth vaunting and decking herself with her richest jewels in the deepest pride of her delight, at the very moment when the spirit of her existence is stealing away from her. The summer-decked earth without the sun of her life is soulless, has become mortal, but it must be confessed that the Edda is very obscure about Brisingamen and does not mention the necklace in connection with Odor's departure. It has been suggested that Freya's tears may be due, and she is the character of Aurora when she sheds them, weeping for some star god of the night. So then, that is all we have time for this week. Join us again in seven days' time for another tale of great heroines and heroes. Please do spread the podcast among friends and families if you liked what you heard. I'd really appreciate you taking some time out to leave a rating and a feedback. It helps us out immensely and takes no longer than a few seconds. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram by using the handle at stories THT MDE US. That's at stories THT MDE US.
or email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com for any comments, observations, or just to say hello. I'll see you again next week. Until then, goodbye.